2: What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) Why would you not want to get the knowledge first? Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the the information going directly into my phone.
0: Playoffs is going to happen this year. It's just really nice to get, Listen to you guys, you guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, to get the information, uh, the emails and the um, post game pod, you know, and stuff. it's just, it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as bronze fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in L.A., and I guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of
2: coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read Cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the L.A. Times, and you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, its I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo. Uh, if you want to sign up for Football Insider, go to cleveland.com Browns and hit the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this. And here we go on our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice. Five questions. I got a little clock here that I'm going to go with. We're going to try and keep our conversations to about five minutes or less on each of these topics a little bit about what happened Sunday night and a little bit about what might happen this Sunday afternoon against the Chiefs I picked five questions because that's how many turnovers the Steelers had on Sunday night against the Browns so five questions in honor of those five uh, turnovers okay uh, first one here there was so much talk and, and I did some you know some pre-game radio shows and I'm, I'm sure Mary Kay you got asked about it Uh, a few times, who would the Browns miss most on Sunday night? This is kind of weird to ask coming off a win, but I'm curious. Now that we saw the game, who do you guys think the Browns missed most on Sunday night against the Steelers?
1: You know, I I would think maybe Denzel because Ben Roethlisberger threw for 501 yards <laughs> uh, and, and made things really close and really tense. It seems like they were able to overcome uh, the Joel Batonio thing fairly well. Um, but I think that uh, if, if Mike Tomlin had not uh, had a brain cramp there and gone for it in fourth and one and they would have made that first down, then uh, you know things were going to get really dangerous there. And without Denzel, and, you know, you've got Chase Claypool, Juju, uh, Deontay. I think it, it would have been a little bit scary and frightening for, uh, for the Browns and, and their fans. So I'm going to say Denzel.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, I do think it was remarkable how well Alex Van Pelt did sort of replicating what Kevin Stefanski would have done calling that game. And then Stefanski on Monday basically said the same thing about that, that he, he did a really good job. And so I, I thought that maybe would be the gaping hole. And I, and I thought at times, maybe early in the third quarter, there was a little bit of a, of a stutter step there. Um, but I didn't even realize 68 attempts for Ben. That is unbelievable. <laughs> and we know the Steelers can't really run it, but I agree with Mary Kay. I mean, theres a, there's a version of that game where, you know, if they if the Browns don't get 14 points right off the bat, where people are pulling their hair out about how kind of easy it was, for the Steelers to throw because yes the Browns were playing off and yes the Steelers were desperate and coming from behind but I don't think that was all of it that was also I think (laughs) rather reflective of the Browns defense at times this year and how good that Pittsburgh pass offense is so um, I think Denzel's return this week is through the roof how important he is for this game but that he was the guy you missed the most
2: Okay, um, I, I don't know that I necessarily disagree. Can I make the case though for somebody else and see what you guys think? Sure. Can I make the case for Stefanski because I know sure. Alex Van Pelt was did a great job calling plays. He there, I mean, I, I don't know if there's really anything we can argue with about Alex Van Pelt as a play caller, but I think I would the case I would make for Stefanski is in that third quarter specifically. And kind of into that fourth quarter, the one thing Stefanski really brings is just a calm. And like, uh, I got this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, the Steelers are doing some things, but but we're going to be okay. And I do feel like, I wonder if the Browns missed that just a little bit. Stefanski's ability to kind of say, and, and look, I wrote about this and I, I kind of praised the Browns for staying aggressive in the second half. But I do wonder if the Browns maybe missed Stefanski and, and his ability to just sort of say, hey, Listen it's time to do a five minute drive here or a seven minute drive. And we're, you know, I I don't know. I think that would be my case for Stefanski is I I do wonder if they sort of missed that calming presence as the Steelers were kind of charging back in in this football game.
1: You know, I mean, you make a good case, but there've been other games this season where he's been on the sidelines and the other team has stormed back and made things really, really close. Even the Jaguars. And the Titans, for sure. So this has happened even when he is there. And even though he does bring that that calming presence and he is their fearless leader and he's been amazing this year, uh, you know, I, I think there's a chance that the same thing could have happened even if he had been there based on the fact that we've seen it before and based on the fact that it's Ben and that trio of receivers and just the way that game was going.
0: I agree with that. Mary Kay mentioned the Titans and the Jaguars. I was looking up the Colts game <laughs> where the Browns were up 27 to 10 early in the third quarter and went interception, punt, punt, interception on their next four possessions as the Colts tried to come back. So, yeah, to that point. And that's the thing, too. It's hard to hold a league. There's parity in the league. You're playing good teams. You know, stuff happens. Teams come back. But, uh, yeah, I think I think that minor, I, the Steelers weren't going to completely fold uh, in that game, I think, no matter who was on the sideline for the Browns.
2: Okay. uh, Let's move on to our next question. And this one is going to be uh, about the Steelers. So Sunday night, the Browns finally beat the Steelers. Of course it was a playoff game. We know how the Steelers have just tormented the Browns. Uh, But really, if you kind of look back now, all of a sudden, uh, there was the Duck Hodges game, right? The Browns lost that one. There was the disaster earlier this year against the Steelers, but we, that almost had a positive effect on the Browns, kind of how they bounced up, bounced back from that. Is this the end of the Steelers' run? Did the Browns kind of end the Steelers on, on Sunday night or at least end their run of dominance? I don't know if you're ever going to end this organization, but did they sort of end that run of dominance over them? Was, was Sunday night a shift?
0: I, I'll, I'll jump in because there's something specific that I'm thinking about that I'm going to write about this week. And, and then Mary Kay knows the history of the Steelers much better than I do. I'm wondering if this is like when Jim Trestle and Ohio state beat Michigan in 2001 in Trestle's first year. And under John Cooper, previously Ohio state had been two 10 and one against their rival and could not get over the hump. And then there's a line in the sand. And sometimes you can't see the line until you get further down and you realize that was the turning point. And it's hard with the Steelers because they're such a great franchise Right. I mean, are they going to are they going to evaporate every <laughs> all the structure that they have there? No. But I wonder it's in my head. I wonder. And obviously it's related to Ben Roethlisberger and they don't have a quarterback sitting there. But there are lines sometimes. There's the game that is not just a one off. It's the start of something changing. And I think the way the Steelers are built right now, but also whatever psychological thing may have been there, or maybe not. I don't know. That's what's in my head. So that's, I think it's possible, but Mary Kay, you'd have a better handle on this.
1: Well, when I look at the Steelers defense, first of all, uh, next season, they they should have Devin Bush back and Bud Dupree back, depending on what happens from a contract standpoint. Uh, and probably Joe Hayden back, although Joe's starting to get up there a little bit. And the Steelers always find a way to seemingly stock that defense. They just keep bringing in new, really good defenders. So I think they'll still do that. they they draft really well. It's a great organization and what they know they need, what they really know that they need is a quarterback. If Ben's going to be done, they also need a running game and they need a couple of offensive linemen. So it's very easy to see what they need. I think they're about five quality starters away, but you can come up with five quality starters in free agency and the draft. You can do it, especially if you're the Steelers. So I would not count them out. They're perennial contenders. They know what they need to do. It's hard to find a big Ben. Obviously it's very difficult, but there are even some uh, potential quarterbacks that will be available uh, that, you know, that we've mentioned that are kind of floating around out there that we're wondering what, what the future is going to be uh, for some of these, these quarterbacks, you know, the Sam Darnolds and and people like that. Uh, So if, if, Ben is going to hang it up. It is a changing of the guard and it could be a shift in, in the rivalry and the power structure, but it's the Steelers. It's the Steelers. And I don't think that you can just look at them and say, no, they're not going to have it anymore next year. And it's going to take them four years to rebuild. I I think they could be back as soon as next year.
0: I, I will say on the quarterback point, and Dan, I've, other people have been talking about this. You look at the four AFC, young AFC quarterbacks that are in the playoffs right now. You were tweeting about this, Dan.
2: You the look AFC, at the, fact the AFC is stacked with young quarterbacks. It's all Trevor
0: Lawrence goes to Jacksonville. If Justin Fields goes to the Jets, you see all the guys that are already here. Justin Herbert, they're all over the place. If the Steelers, Joe Burrow at Cincinnati, if the Steelers don't have one of those guys, yes, the Steelers are the Steelers. But just looking back really quickly at Steelers history, the Tommy Maddox, Bubby Brister um, Mark Malone Steelers are not the same as the Terry Bradshaw, Ben Roethlisberger Steelers. So you can find a, yes, the Steelers are the Steelers, but you can find a period in there where they're, you know, they have bad years and they win nine or 10 or whatever, but they're not dominant. So it's the era. It's always true. It's even more true now than ever. There's not an obvious solution for them unless, I mean, how are they going to get their guy? Maybe they'll sign Dak Prescott. I don't know. Maybe they'll answer it overnight. But it's not a guarantee. And until you know what the answer is, even for a great organization, I think it, I think the question is there. And I think we all agree on that. It's just how quickly can they answer it. But the answer is not on the roster. The answer is not on the roster right now.
1: Do you guys uh, think, after, you, after what you saw, though, last night, do you think that's it for, for Big Ben? I...
2: I, I mean, I, I don't know how much how, – how many more times can he come back and just sling the ball around 68 times? You know, I I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think it is. I think that – I think it feels like the people in Pittsburgh who watched it all year are now looking back at the 11-0 start and seeing the holes that were there in that start and all the things that he's done as well. But he's just the, – the, the play at the beginning of the game where he sort of like – almost can't bend over to pick up the ball after the wild snap. And it's like, where are we here? And I, ju- I do, th- it does feel like, I just reading, Bre- reading Steelers Twitter. I think a lot of Steelers fans are, are believing it's over. So yeah, I, I do think it's over there.
1: It does. It, it seems like it, it certainly seems like it, but a game like that can also, and he, you know, maybe he'll retire, but a game like that can also get away from you very quickly just the same way that the Browns game got away from them when Minka Fitzpatrick got the pick six on the on the first drive. Once it goes like that, it can snowball. It can get away from you. When I when you see some of the throws that he did end up making, it it makes me wonder if they beef up the offensive line a little bit and add in a running game to support him. If they can't find somebody else yet, I wonder if you can't like squeeze another year out of him when he is one more year removed from elbow surgery. You know, maybe maybe he needed a little bit more time, maybe an off season. Maybe he's ready to hang it up and maybe that was it. Maybe we saw his last game. We saw him crying afterwards. We saw Marquise Pouncey crying afterwards. Maybe that was the end. But I can also see a world in which they decide that if they support him with a really good running game, that maybe they can squeeze one more year out of him until they find somebody else.
2: Well, you know the thing about Ben is he's not Tom Brady. You know he, he's not a guy that you know is he's never struck me as a guy that wants to play till he's like forty-five. You know, so that's important to remember. Doug, I think you gave everybody, every Browns fan, a little heart attack there when you threw out the idea of maybe signing Dak Prescott because. I'm sure Browns fans spent the entire weekend talking themselves out of any possibility. The Steelers could trade for Deshaun Watson, but uh, that, that's certainly a possibility that should scare them. Going back to that kind of the original point of the question. The one thing I want to point out is, you know, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't think the Steelers necessarily end. I think they're just too good of an organization. They're never going to just go like four and 12, five years in a row. But I do think what we saw last night was one, the Browns, seem to be i mean we're not talking about the browns quarterback situation today and the browns were smarter than the steelers last night even with kevin stefanski not being there you know the, we talked all about that mike tomlin decision to punt on fourth down uh we there there are clips going around twitter of linebackers covering jarvis landry and how that's that's been a trend with the steelers for years Uh, there, there was a clip of Keenan Allen getting covered by a linebacker. And then it was almost the exact same play as what I played to Jarvis yesterday. The Browns are kind of, they've eclipsed the Steelers in some ways from an analytics perspective, I think, and just, you know, the way they approach the game. So at least we can say the Browns belong in the same sentence as the Steelers.
0: Now, Mm -hmm. I just, to reinforce the point, the end of the Chuck Knoll era, When they didn't have a quarterback, they made the playoff once in seven years. When they – when before they got Ben, when when Cower came in, but before they got Ben, they'd only made the playoffs two out of six years before they got Roethlisberger. So, like, I, I agree, yes, they are a great organization. They hit lulls too. And they often hit lulls when they don't have a quarterback. Now, Neil O'Donnell was their quarterback for a while and they won with him, but that was still a steadying force. They've got to solve it. Like, I don't know. And, and honestly, I don't think they'll be terrible forever. I mean, if Ben doesn't come back, maybe you play Mason Rudolph next year and go three and 13 and get a pick. Cause how else are you going to answer this? Right. I mean, like how do we see, how do teams find quarterbacks these days? Often you got to kind of get bad or make a huge move to trade up and get somebody because again, Dan, you're just, you just threw another, Deshaun Sean Watson's in the AFC too. I mean, really, there's yeah. only 16 teams in the AFC and like 11 of them by next year are going to have really good young quarterbacks. And the Steelers are not one of them.
1: And, you, and another way to do it is you rehabilitate a guy that you think has potential like a Ryan Tannehill and you find him somewhere else. And you see in him uh, some really great qualities and you bring him to your place, and you make something out of him. And I think there are a few quarterbacks floating around out there like that. Uh, there's not a lot. It's not easy. I mean, it's really, really hard to find your quarterback. But there's a renaissance going on right now, as you guys have mentioned, in quarterbacks. And a lot of it has to do with the dual-threat quarterback that that is uh, in vogue right now. It's not going anywhere And, and I think that uh, the Steelers will probably somehow try to jump on that bandwagon and find themselves a quarterback like that.
2: Yeah. Before we move on, just here's who I, here's what I tweeted out earlier. You got Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Baker Mayfield all playing this weekend. By the way, Baker Mayfield is the oldest of that group and he's 25. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, most likely headed to Jacksonville. Deshaun Watson, currently in Houston, there's, I think everybody wants him to end up in Miami, maybe except Browns fans. Uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert had great rookie years. Justin Fields, like you mentioned, Doug, could be headed to the Jets. Um, you know, on a weekend when Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers are all going to be playing in the NFC, there's like this young quarterback renaissance happening in the AFC right now. Okay. Uh, next question here. Let's talk about the Browns and the Chiefs. And this is something that we're going to be comparing and contrasting throughout the week. How close are the Browns to the chiefs?
0: <laughs> Mahomes is so good. Mahomes is so That's, good. At
2: I know. Hard.
0: As, as well as Baker has played. Mahomes is so good. It There's a part of you that almost feels crazy trying to make a comparison because unless Baker starts throwing 40 yard touchdown passes behind his back, it's like, well, no, they're not close. And that's not a shot at Baker, but it's like, you have a, whatever, what's Patrick Mahomes? 25. And, and he looks like he is as talented as any quarterback that has played in this league. Mm-hmm. And they have a great structure in place. So that, what is everything? I mean, we're talking structure and quarterback, structure and quarterback, structure and quarterback. They've got it. Andy Reed's not going anywhere. And Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. So, it's almost like, can we set that aside? It's like, other than the fact that they might have the best quarterback of all time, how close are the Browns? Then I think they're kind of close, right? I mean, you're getting in range a little bit because the Chiefs aren't great defensively. The Browns aren't great defensively. You know, the, the Chiefs have playmakers, but the Browns have playmakers. So I think you're getting in range, but man, I don't know. Mahomes, man. Right, so here's,
2: yeah. here's why I like this question. Because like you said, Mahomes is like on a whole different level than any other quarterback. In the NFL, there's a reason that he made half a billion dollars on his contract extension or is slated to make half a billion dollars. Um, when you look at the offensive lines, right, that goes to the Browns. You look at the running backs that goes to the Browns. I think if you looked at the collection of receivers and maybe you threw the tight ends into that mix, you'd have to go with the Chiefs because you got Tyree kill Travis Kelsey and um, I think there's more weapons in, the, in that Chiefs receiving core, especially when you throw the tight ends into that mix. But when you do take Mahomes out of the equation, it actually, especially on offense, it isn't as far off as, as some people might think when you initially asked that question.
1: You know, I, I think a lot of it, uh, the only reason why you could even talk about them being close is because of the excellent coaching staff the cleveland browns and their ability to scheme it up and to game plan against these teams you've got a you've got one of the best offensive line coaches in the nfl that is creating amazing run plays okay so you're getting some unbelievable stuff from bill callahan you're getting amazing stuff from chad o'shea i mean he's got donovan people's jones a six-round pick playing really really well this year okay um and then uh, Alex Van Pelt, extremely impressed with Alex Van Pelt and what he's been able to do with Baker Mayfield. So when you put Stefanski, Van Pelt, Callahan, O'Shea, Stump Mitchell, all these guys together, they're they're going to scheme it up really well. I mean, they are deadly in the red zone. You get these guys into the 20, and they're going to score touchdowns. I mean, that is what they're going to do. And that's why they can stay close. And they, and they can do that against – I think against a Chiefs defense that is, I think, worse than than the Browns defense. I think the Browns defense is opportunistic, and now they've gotten guys back. They're getting Denzel back this game. Ronnie Harrison is back, um, and, and you know there, it's just a scrappy defense. I don't think they're as bad uh, as it might seem once they have Denzel back uh, and once they have Kevin Johnson back. I mean, suddenly you have a a pretty decent secondary for this game, which you're going to need, obviously. So I actually think when you add it all up, the Browns offense still can put up a ton of points on the Chiefs. I think they can. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact that Patrick Mahomes is up here and Baker's here. Her but, hands
0: are about a
1: foot apart. <laughs> <there. laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, but it uh, when you put everything into the hopper, that's why you have a chance. That's why you have a chance because you can game plan it and you can score points. You can you've got so many weapons that, that offense is humming along. Baker has thrown 14 intercept 14 touchdowns, and only one interception in his uh, in his last ten games. And this defense I don't think is even as good as supposedly the Steelers defense was supposed to be, although they didn't seem to really show up yesterday. Um so I, I just don't think that you know that it's impossible. I don't think they I don't think they need to go in there quaking and in a bunch of fear. I, I think that you know they, they have an opportunity to win this game.
0: So just again really Holmes is the best quarterback. Kelsey's the best tight end. And Tyree Hill might be the best receiver. So again, that is other than having the best players at all the positions where you throw <laughs> the ball. Um, I think the, the, the hard thing about their 15 and one, they've looked beatable at times. And I think you get into some of the numbers, some of the deep numbers on them, um, <laughs> Pythagorean numbers and like the, the, the point margins and stuff. And like, they've won more games than they should have based on their uh how many points they've scored and given up this year. But so have the Browns. The thing we don't know is were they distracted and bored this year, or do they have some flaws? And unfortunately we're not going to get an answer until three Oh five on Sunday. And I think you have to leave like a 25% chance. that's like, Oh, they were bored. Oh, Oh, they're going to score 60. They were just bored. That's out there, but I think there's 75 percent chance of like, no, this is a 15 and one team that can't doesn't have a great running back, has some issues on defense. You get a couple stops here and there, and you're right in the game. So yes, I don't disagree with Mary Kay's point. But my gosh, who who's covering Travis Kelsey? Anyone? Anyone tra- covering on this on the Browns? Who's covering Travis Kelsey? I have no idea. So yeah, that's hard.
2: Yeah. Just just a a point of they're they're fourteen and two, but they should be fifteen and one because they played their backups. They played their backups week seventeen, and their their one loss, by the way, was to the Raiders, and they ended up avenging that loss. The thing about this Kansas City team is, I always go back to that Miami game where I watched them play the worst like first half of football. Not not even a full first half, but Mahomes throws those three interceptions. Mm -hmm. They look awful, and then they just kind of decide, hey, we're gonna we're gonna score thirty points here. We're done. We just played terrible football. Now we're going to put 30 on the board uh, and see if you guys can keep up. Okay. So that brings us to our, I'm actually going to cut a question here. This brings us to our last question, because this is a, a similar, a similar question on Sunday. I think the really easy take is to say, well, the Browns need to come out and control the football, right? Cause the chiefs run defense isn't very good. Um, the Browns have these two great running backs. So, you know, maybe they need to come out and control the clock and control the football. Is that the best approach for the Browns? Or should they go into this game thinking, we're going to try and score 40 before they score 40? Is a shootout better for the Browns or is trying to control the clock better for the Browns?
0: I liked the game earlier this year and I asked a lot of questions about it and wrote about it. Was it the giants game where they only had like six possessions and they just had like three, eight minute drives and just ate up the whole game. And I was like, that feels like that can win. Like at that moment, I was like, now the giants aren't the chiefs, but that's interesting to me. That feels like that could be a way to go about this. But now here we are, and I think I'm invalidating that. I I do think maybe actually, Dan and Mary Kay, that it is more like the Ravens game, and just try to go slug it out, like score in the 40s. Lamar got you that game. Try it, try it here with Mahomes. Because um, the, Dan, the Dan and you've talked about this a lot. Now you're right. They come out throwing, so the Browns come out and throw. So like, are they gonna? And that's how they operate. Are they going to come out and just like run, 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 and grind out the clock? It's like I don't know. I think you got to try to try to do it because you're not you're not going to stop them. It's reminding me a lot. I, I'm I'm doing this whole thing. I'm trying to keep a running diary of these 30 hours between the Browns game and the Ohio State Alabama game on Monday night here. And in thinking about the Chiefs and thinking, I think a lot about Alabama and like what I think Ohio State's going to try to do against Alabama. and it will have happened by the time you guys hear this. I don't know how Ohio State stops Alabama. So try to score 50. I don't know how the Browns stop the Chiefs. So try to score 50.
1: Yeah, I I think the Browns have gotten to the point uh, with their offense. I think they have it humming along now uh, to the point where I think they feel like they can get into a shootout with anybody. And they can score on anybody, especially if you have some weaknesses on your defense. And sometimes they make it look like child's play. And again, like I said, if you can get into the into the red zone, and even just in talking to Case Keenum the other day when I interviewed him about Baker Mayfield, he, he was saying, Baker is built for the red zone. His skill set is 100% built for inside the 20 scoring. And they are dynamite in the red zone. And I think that they, they are going to take it to or try to take it to the Chiefs. And I think it's going to be, it has the potential to be one heck of a shootout the way that we've seen Baker and Patrick have a shootout in college. I mean, I think it, I think it has the potential. I think the Browns feel like they can put up 40-some points on almost anybody these days. Like they are just, you know, they're a they're Madden game. They're, you know, they're just, it's child's play. They're, they're, they're just taking candy from a baby in some cases and they, they, they got it. All the lights came on and now they're just having a good time, picking their poison and, and doing their thing. Once Baker, once Baker like woke up in this offense and got it and it all came together. I think, uh, I think they're probably thinking shootout. We're going to go in there. We're going to take our shots right away, and, and we're going to score more points than you do.
2: I'd love to be the person who says, no, run the ball and, and run the clock, but I just don't think you do that against Kansas City. I think, especially because even if Kansas City builds a lead, they give you opportunities to get back in the game. So even if they're up like 14 or even 21 or something, just the way they play, you're going to get opportunities to get back in the game. And I think this is one of those weird games where it might be a shootout, but then it might come down to who makes the defensive play at the right time. So is it Miles Garrett or Denzel Ward who makes the play, or is it Frank Clark or Chris Jones or, or Teron Matthew who makes the play? You know, that that this could be one of those games where it's 45-40 and the play we're talking about is a Miles Garrett strip sack or uh, Chris Jones bats a ball in the air and, and it gets picked off, something like that. Uh, but I I think it's, I think kind of trying to play keep away too much with the chiefs. I think you do try to control the ball a little bit, but I, they can score so fast and we've seen the Browns can do the same thing. I don't know. It might be just kind of a race to, to 40 or, or even 50. The NFL has got to love that idea.
0: And I don't think, I don't think any of us mean to imply that, throwing it is a shootout for the Browns and running it is grinding it no, out because no. as we've said the Browns are explosive in the run game. Like the Browns formula for a shootout is like 30 yard Nick Chubb runs. Mm-hmm. Right. So and, and that's even the thing that we've talked about is like they aren't they've put games away in the fourth quarter, but they're not like always uh I mean when their run game's working it's it's popping bigger plays than their pass game is because they don't have a guy they don't have a Tyreek Hill. You know what? Uh, their, their Tyree kills been out for the second half of the season. So it is, I mean, it's like, Dan, it's almost like you're saying, it's like, I don't even know. Like they actually probably have a better chance to grind it out in the pass game. It's like their run games explosive. If they want to dink and dunk and have Baker do little five yard things to Austin Hooper all the way down the field, that might work. But um, yeah, I think, I think this offense has come together in a way that it's Patrick Mahomes, by the way. I mean, we just have to – every time we have a conversation about, like, hey, anything could happen, I'm just going to scream Patrick Mahomes because we can't forget about that guy. But, Mary Kay, I think your point is right. I, they believe they have a shot to score with anybody.
1: Well, and because if you look at the Browns right now, um, I mean, there are some hot offenses in, in the AFC. There are hot offenses. The Bills are a hot offense. The Ravens are a hot offense. Um, but the Browns are right, right up there. They are right up there as one of the hottest, most explosive, most dangerous offenses in the NFL right now. And they peaked at the right time. I mean, they really peaked absolutely at the right time. And here's the key, this defense say what you will about it, but they are so geared. And I, I even watched this in their, in their warmups and in their individual drills, they are so geared towards I've never seen another coaching staff or a team that emphasizes taking the ball away as much as this one does. They they live it, they breathe it, they walk it, and they do it. They are about the takeaway. And I don't know I don't know yet if Kansas City is going to give the ball up, but that's what these guys do. And when you have that on your side plus that explosive of an offense, then I do think that they have a chance and not just a, you know, not just a, oh, you know, one in a million chance. I think they can kind of hang with with the Chiefs. And I know that might sound crazy to you, but I'm going all the way back to talking about this a month ago. I just feel like if there is a team that can kind of give the Chiefs a little bit of hell, I think it's the Browns.
2: We have been building to this for, like you said, Mary Kay, about a month. And I cannot wait because I know, I knew a month ago this was going to happen. I cannot wait till we get to our picks pod that we record on Thursday night. And you pull the trigger and pick the Browns to win this game. Which, by the way, doesn't sound as completely crazy as I might have said a month ago, just because of what we've seen from the Browns offensively. But we've been building for this.
1: Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know what else? Who wants – I mean, who wants it more? The Browns have a really strong – and I knew that they were going to go into Pittsburgh and beat Pittsburgh. By Saturday, there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to win that game because after listening to these guys and talking to each one of them throughout the week and just hearing what they were saying, even Baker saying something like, oh, missing practice – I mean, canceling practice on Wednesday and Thursday – won't have an impact on us. I mean, they were so over the moon confident. And then of course, Juju uh, pushed them over the top, but just emotionally and from a confidence standpoint, there's something very, very special about this team and the way they feel about themselves.
0: Not to dispute that, but the Steelers also snapped the ball over their quarterback's head and (laughs) bent through it right to a a Brown, like on the second series. So like the the one thing is, I don't think Kansas City won't do that, so they're going to have to. It's going to be hard. The thing that would scare you, I think, in any of these games, because this, the Browns are new to this, is if you get in a hole, right? I mean, if you get in a hole, right. if Mahomes comes out and if the if the, if the Browns were up fourteen nothing before you blinked your eye against the Steelers, if right. the Chiefs go up fourteen nothing before you blink your eye, and it's not even that the Browns just because the Browns punt a couple times, right? right. That's tough. That's tough. And um, but if you can hang around for a while. I think, I think absolutely they can, and they, they can hang around.
2: This is yep. a very important point to remember no home field advantage at Arrowhead. There's fans yeah. there. They've been allowing fans all year, but it's not right. It's not the Arrowhead of, of, you know, what yes. we expect in January at Arrowhead stadium, when the decibel, somebody's out there with a the little decibel meter and yeah, um, it's 10 degrees and people have been tailgating since three yeah. in the morning. Um, so, you know, that, that plays into the Browns hands as well, that that they don't have to deal, um, with with all of that also. Okay, there we go. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and of course, check out football insider. We've been doing lots of good stuff, especially with our texters um so make sure you check that out at cleveland.com browns click on the blue banner at the top of the page for more info on that so from mary Kay and doug i'm dan thanks for listening everybody